Freedom Center. By a show of hands, how many are glad it's fall? By a show of hands, how many of you guys wish summer was 12 months out of the year? By a show of hands, how many of you plan on moving to Arizona? All right, great. I had a 10-point buck standing in my yard today saying, you can't shoot me for a couple of weeks. I had a birthmark in the shape of a bullseye, almost. I mean, it was that, the, the picture is so, I took a picture of him. I thought, oh, I just want to take the picture and shoot the picture, you know? So uh, we started a great series, and I, I'm really encouraged by what I'm hearing in your life. I'm hearing some of you being very frustrated with me. Um, I don't believe that you said that, and now I did my budget, and now I realize, and I hate you, and I'm okay with that. I really am. Um, in the end, I hope that we all hate mammon, that we all hate the Syrian god of avarice, and that we all find ourselves free. He who the sun sets free, come on. Free indeed, like God wants us to be free. And so uh, let's do a quick review of last week to help us out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 introduces us to our nemesis, to our Pharaoh in the land, if you, if you will. It says, no one can serve two masters, Jesus says. Either you're going to hate one and you're going to love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and you're going to despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, now, last week we talked about that the word money is not what we think it is on the surface. You'll notice the word money is capitalized, and there's a reason, because the Greek word there is actually a, 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 a Syrian word that is translated into Greek and now translated into the word money, but, but the word mammon is actually the word that's used there, and mammon is not a thing. It's, it's a someone, not a something. Mammon is the Syrian god of avarice, and uh, avarice, I didn't know what that word meant, so I looked up that. I mean, guys love it when you look up a word and it leads you to three other words you have to look up when you get the answer. That's called studying. It's okay. It's going to get us there. But, but I looked up the word avarice means like the unquenchable lust, greed, uh, controllable impulse for more, more, more. I ate until I was stuffed, so I threw up and then I ate some more avarice. It's, I have plenty. I, I, I don't need it the rest of my life, but how much do you need to be satisfied? Just one more million, one more deal, one more, you know, whatever it is. Like that is this, the, the God of avarice, small g, God, fake God, demonic forces of avarice. And so we talked about what is, what is mammon's ploy? How does he get people to follow him into servitude, into slavery, when the last thing the human spirit wants is to be a slave? And this is the answer. As I press the button once again, here's the answer. If you look at the horizontal line, that is the provision of God. For some of us, it's a certain number. For some of us, it's a lower number, a higher number. It doesn't matter. This is the provision of God. And with God's provision, God gives us certain means at certain times of our lives. If we're wise with things, things generally collect uh, into larger and larger amounts. But at no time is it allowed to own us. We're only allowed to steward it for his glory. And so that is God's provision. And the way that, that mammon gets us into slavery is he says the same lie the devil gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He says, this is the blessings of God. You can eat off any of these trees, all of these trees are yours, but what about, what about this one tree here? And then Eve says, well, that's, that's the tree God told us not to eat of because if we, if we eat it or if we even touch it, we're going to die. And the devil goes, okay, well, this is what's really happening. This, this good God of yours is actually keeping something better from you. But he, he says you can eat all that, but not this. What's he hiding in this that's for you? He's actually withholding a blessing. His blessing that you have all around you is not enough. This is what you really need to be blessed. And so instead of receiving his blessing, why don't we just bless ourselves? And mammon does the same thing because it's the card that you deserve. 
that pays you back with easy payments and, and get it now and don't wait till later and don't save and don't get out of that. You want, you want more and more and more. So we do so often in the American dream, if we're not careful, as middle class people especially, uh, we're targeted from the time we're in college or even high school, from the military, from, from basic jobs. And we have no credit at all. No one in the right mind would loan us money, but the application shows up. And they, and they tell us right off the bat, you cannot buy a house if you don't have credit. You can't buy a car. You can't lease a car. You can't get a, a hotel room without a credit card. You have to have credit, and your credit has to be a score above 700, or, or you're not really even a good person. And they got this whole thing laid out for us. So we have to have a car, but we'll pay it off every month, because in six months, easy payments, and Art Van's my friend, and, and in the end, what happens is so often, if we're not careful, we don't pay it off, and something else comes, and before long, our heart begins to shift from our master being our provider to our master card being our provider. Nothing against master card, although they are the devil. And we begin to live above the provisions of God. As soon as we do, every dollar above God's provision becomes servitude to that dollar borrowed, and the master, as we know him now, is mammon. So today, we're going to talk about provision, and we're going to talk about uh, the Pharaoh of Dead a little bit more. We're going to move on to the next phase and get into the land of just enough. This is where God has provided for us, but we're going to have to learn to live from here to here within the provision of God. And there's a question to start you with. If God forgave Israel, this is the parallel of the, the days of Pharaoh and Moses and Egypt and then 40 years in the wilderness and then going into the promised land. So if God forgave Israel during that time and led them uh, out of Egypt with the goal of placing them in the promised land, here's the question. Why did they spend 40 years in between slavery and freedom in this limbo state of the wilderness. What is the purpose? What's the reason? Why didn't God say, you're free, and you're in the promised land? Why are there giants in the promised land? Why are there battles? in the? What is this all about? If God is so good and God wants to bless us with stuff, why doesn't God just bless us with stuff? How many of us wish God just gave you lottery numbers and we could not talk about this anymore? There's a reason why God doesn't give us lottery numbers or ideas in the middle of the night or a way to, you know, get the, the, the half, the fraction of the gas uh, that as you pump it in to come to a check to you, right? So maybe a better question is not dealing with Egypt, it's dealing with us. If God forgave us last week from our understanding of debt and enslaving ourselves so we work 32 hours of our 42 hours a week for mammon before we begin to work for ourselves, for our family for God, for generosity's sake, for advancing the kingdom, for missions, for, for, for just being kind to a neighbor, just for having some space in our life. If we've given ourselves to that, and God forgave us last week for it, and he wants us to live in a land that has more than enough, why not just put us there? Amen. One amen and a bunch of like, oh my, right? Well, um, I think it's this, because it's almost impossible to teach people who have more than enough without God. It, it's, it's such a struggle to get people who have more than enough to see the need for the Lord. I, I tell you, I, I have taught and preached in thorough countries and in prisons and in youth prisons and in homeless camps and street outreaches. And, and, and I will tell you, it is easier, and I, and I mean this, and I don't mean this to be harsh, it is easier to lead a drug-addicted, mentally ill uh, prisoner who's living on the street to Jesus than it is someone who has more than enough. You say, well, that's, I don't understand. Listen, someone who recognizes they're not God and they're a victim and they're a slave cries out. And someone goes, you know, the Jesus thing, it's fine for you, it's good for me, but I look at it kind of like broccoli. I know it's good, but could you put more cheese on your service? Could you, could you mix it in with a stir fry of some sort of other things I'm interested in? Could you, you know, I, I, I don't really need it. I'm a good person and good people obviously go to heaven and bad people go to 
politics. And so with that in mind, I'm kidding, it's a joke. It's a joke. Let, me, let me show you maybe a better example from the Pharisee's life, what it, what it is I'm talking about here. who was in need and she basically had her car break down and uh, the cost to, to fixing that car was exactly $2,560 and she didn't have it and she was just broken hearted because that was her only means of transportation. So I said to her, you know, don't cry, let's pray. Let's ask God for that provision. And we prayed together and the very next day we got an unexpected check for $2,561. And you know, I looked at my husband and I said, this does not belong to us. Here's a test. God is looking to see if we're going to be faithful. And we were able to give her that check. She was able to get her car back. And I'm telling you, she was blessed, but the bigger blessing belonged to us. Because I know that God gives us financial means, but he tests our obedience. He sees if we're willing to be faithful in the small things so that he can trust us with the bigger things. I really knew in my heart that we had to be obedient, that we had to help that, that couple that needed a transmission repair. And I knew that that check that we got for over $2,000, I knew that check wasn't for us. So my logical mind, I had a little battle going on, you know, my logical mind was saying, well, wait a minute, that could really help us to pay off, you know, something. But I, I knew that it didn't belong to us. Hmm. Isn't this fun? How many guys appreciate the fearlessness you're in the heart with us like that? Let me, let me show you a little bit more of what we're talking about from Scripture. This is going to be found in Matthew chapter 19. It's just then a man came up to Jesus and he asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus says, well, why do you ask me what's good? There's only one who's good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you, you shouldn't like, kill people. <laughs> you, uh, you shouldn't you know, take off of somebody else's wife or cheat on yours. You, you shouldn't take what's not yours. Uh, you shouldn't give false testimony. You should honor your mom and your dad. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the kid goes, you know, I, I've, all these I've kept, what do I still like? How many guys appreciate it when sometimes people still know they're missing something? You know, religion says, do this. I, I have. Why do I still feel so empty? All these I've kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So 12 disciples, about to be 13, do you want this? And this is what happens. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who's rich to enter into this, this covenant this kingdom, this, this understanding of who I am, who they are. And here's, here's what you may or may not get from that text. The rich young man did not have great wealth. You say, well, the Bible says he had great wealth. It's not true. The, the issue was not that he had great wealth. The issue was great wealth had that young man. He, he had formed a relationship with substance that was inordinate, that was sin. He put his trust. Remember last week we talked about mammon makes the same promises God does. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. You'll have security. You'll have security. You'll have peace. You'll have peace. You'll have love because even ugly people are good looking that are billionaires. You don't believe me? Watch Shark Tank, right? Mark Cuban with his unibrow. I'm just saying, right? See, here, here's the rule, guys. Kingdom living is only possible when Jesus is king. 
boy, if you don't hear anything I say, that's a big one, right? I, I want to live in this kingdom. It's hard to enter this kingdom because the kingdom is faith in God, not faith in anything else. It's okay to have other things. It's okay to have other people. It's okay to love other people. It's okay to love the picture of grandma. It's okay to love your Mercedes. It's okay to, but you can't love anything more than God. And second place is not by an inch. It's got to be by miles. And so Jesus is saying, you'll never make it following me carrying the caravans of your stuff. If you, you're lacking one thing, you're right, you're lacking one thing. This is the one thing. You're putting your faith, not, not just something that God's given you, provided for you. You're putting faith in something. You're, you're making an altar. You're making an idol. And what Jesus was doing to this young man was not cruel. He wasn't saying, listen, you know, if you really love me, you get it. he would have gotten it back. How many of you guys know wealthy people always get it back? Poor people always lose it again. It's a mentality. Come on, don't be mad at me. But if you're poor and you win the lottery, how long will it be before the money's gone and you owe money on that money? Because it's a mindset. Somebody said five years. And whoever that was never lied to me. So was that you, Chris? Is that how long it took you? I'm just kidding. Okay, it was you. All right, good. All right. Five years. Yeah. Why? Because, because if you don't put it in its proper place, it will subject you. Always. Lack subjects you. Abundance subjects you. Unless Jesus is king, you can't serve in his kingdom. You just put them on your eggs like salt. Jesus mercifully asked this young man for the one thing that would prevent him from successfully following him. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't set us up to fail? Let's deal with it right here and now. You want to follow me? I do. I really do. Okay. There's the one thing you've got to get rid of. And the one thing was this idol. So whether your problem with money comes from abundance or lack, never allow mammon, money, stuff, credit, debt, abundance to take the place that only God is supposed to have in your life. Jesus tried to lead this kid uh, out to a place where, where he, he, had this, he had to trust God. And in that trust for God, good things could have happened. And maybe God's doing the same thing with you. You know, um, I'll just say this. Some things need a place and a season to die. Why, why is between Egypt and the promised land is this wilderness? Because some things need a place and the wilderness is really the wilderness of just enough. It is perfectly suited as an environment for things to die. Everything that left Egypt that didn't have the faith to go on the promised land died in the wilderness. Everything. Let me say it again. Everything that didn't have the faith to go where God was leading them, everything, including everyone, died in the wilderness. You're not allowed to take idols into the promised land. Unbelief will not part the waters of the Jordan River to get you into the promised land. That was a season and a place for people to learn that God was going to be their source. And God was going to provide manna from heaven. And God was going to make water come out of rocks. And God was going to make quail flying off the sea. And God was going to destroy their enemies. That until, until they were free, God couldn't give them the promised land because they would have just forfeited it to the next small g God that came along. They had to trust that God was God and put everything else in its proper place. So what, what dies in the land of not enough? Number one thing, write it down. Self-reliant independence from God. <laughs> and you've got to imagine, these people have been slaves for 10 generations, 400 years, and they, the Bible says they plundered Egypt. So gold, jewels, silver, livestock, food, water. They, they go out to the side of the Red Sea where God tells them to camp. The Egyptian army approaches. Um, they, they all panic. They get mad at Moses. Why'd you bring us out here where there are not enough graves in the wilderness? They start whining right away. Moses walks out to the other sea and says, what now? Because faith asks, what now? Not, why did you? It's like, what's next? You know. So God says, hold up your stick. He holds up a stick. The water's part. The whole Cecil B. DeMille's, right? 
and there's a lightning bolt and a blue whale in the Red Sea. Oh, right, Moses. Remember that one? They see some beautiful Mills one, the Lady on the Rock. Moses. It's like wow, gross overacting. You got paid for that. And they they make it through on the other side. As soon as they make it to the other side, Pharaoh's armies boogie boogie. They're gonna go take them and kill them and chariots and horses. And the sea covers them, drowns them, kills them. And it's such a cool moment. Everybody's on the far side going, "We're free." Like I saw the guy that beat me in front of my son drown. I saw the guy that took my wife for the evening to scratch his itch, drowned. I saw the man who told me I'd never be nothing. I was a slave that was a grandson of a slave that was the grandson of a slave that was a grandson of a slave. I saw it all die in the sea. Everything that was chasing me, everything that I was afraid of, just died. And they looked at each other for the first time in their lives and just went, high five. Like, a whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. Movie reference day at the Freedom Center, evidently. <laughs> and they actually created their own song. We find this in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 18. The horse and rider fell in the sea. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. He's our shield. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He has become our salvation. Mighty is our God. And then three days later, they ran out of water. Now you're laughing, but some of you are about to go through the same thing if you haven't already gone through it since last Sunday. We're going to get out of this. God's going to take care of us. We're going to live in this, this limbo land for a while, but we're going to live like none other so we can live like none other in the future. It's going to be awesome. And all of a sudden, you run out of water or gas or food or the car breaks down or the kid gets sick or whatever, right? Listen, God will destroy your enemies in a moment, but it takes a while to destroy what they did to you. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to go from orphans to heirs. We have to go from slaves to free people. We have to think differently. We have to act differently. Our reflexes must change. Our, our, our initial thought has to become God's initial thought, not some sort of transferable, okay, I'm really mad right now. What am I supposed to do when I'm mad? Okay. Like, we got to begin to develop reflexes so as soon as we're struck on one cheek, we understand turn the other cheek. It's not a principle. It's a reflex. And so there's a process from going from being orphans that have to care for ourselves you know, take care of our reputation, our provision, our protection. I have no, no everyone has failed me. God's going to do this. I just can't believe. And also may come to this place of being adopted as sons and daughters. It takes a while to learn how not to hide food under your bed. It takes a while not to learn how to fight on the playground for respect. Need respect. Because I don't have a father. I have to be my own daddy. Like all of a sudden you've got this heavenly father. It takes a while. And then to go on from there to being heirs. Long teaching, but a short taste of it there. So the test, I just want you to hear this. The test of running out of water. Everybody say test. It wasn't there to hurt them. It was there to reveal to them. Hear me. It was there to reveal to them if all they had was a song. Or if they actually had faith. When God just did something great, we just won the lottery, the Lord is my rock and my salvation, I see him do it again, we're going to, man, but how many of you guys know when all of a sudden a bill comes up that you can't pay, or it's Christmas time, and you can give the kids a, a used Barbie from the garage sale down the, you know, down the street, or for just easy payments, 0% interest, you can get the Mac Daddy video game set, TV, surround sound, Google Phonic, but it's just 100 bucks a month for the rest of my life. We can afford the 100 bucks a month. How many guys know there's going to be a temptation to get something beyond God's blessing or to not trust God to provide for you? Come on, don't leave me here. How many guys are getting this? You got to get this. If you're, going to, if you're going to progress from slavery to freedom, there's a land in between that is not the easiest place to live, right? 
The test was there to show them if all they had was a song. And instantly, man, they went right back to the slave mentality. Oh, you brought us out here to die of thirst. Moses, Moses, Moses. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Can't believe that. <laughs> Three days later, God is our salvation. High five and go to Denny's. And now it's like, where's God? We're abandoned. I blame you. Right? Three weeks later, they ran out of food. I mean, as you know, it's not getting better. But God got them water. But three weeks later, they ran out of food. Hey, you got any food? I don't have food. You got any food? I don't have food. You know? <laughs> They're so abandoned. What are they doing? They're living like slaves. Are they slaves? Where's their master? He's dead. They're free, but they're not free yet. How many guys are getting this? Well, you got to get this. If God set you free, he who the sun sets free, free indeed. But if we don't think like free people, we think like slaves, we live like slaves. And so sometimes something bigger than us will come to test how big our God is, how big our faith is in God, how big our trust is in God. God's going to be big whether you trust him or not. If I were you, I'd, I'd just trust him. It cuts out the middleman, right? A test was there to show them all they have is a song or not. Now, look at this. Here's the point. You're going to be tested in the land of just enough to show you where you really are in the process. And here's what you have to hear, all right? What most people are surprised by is at first. Everybody say at first. It feels like there's less in the land of just enough than there was in the land of not enough. I want to prepare you for this. If you're going to live according to God's provision and you make a commitment not to borrow money for life, for death, for food, for repairs, if God is truly going to transition into that place in your life as provider, you're going to bring this part of your life under the king and into the kingdom, it will be tested. That's a nice sobering amen, like, oh my, really is what you should, you said amen, but oh my came out, right? If we only trust God when we have more than enough, do we really trust God? Who would know? Who would know? You wouldn't know until there wasn't enough, and then you say, God, I made a decision about MasterCard and Master Jesus. I made a decision about trusting you. I'm living according to your principles. I'm standing on your word. I'm living according to your promise that I will, you've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. I'm living according to your word that if you care for the birds of the air that are sold for two pennies each, are not, am I not more precious than these? I'm living according to your word that if I give, it shall be given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'm living according to your promise that says that I would be in health and prosper even as my soul prospers. I'm living according to your word that, that says all of these promises about manna falling from heaven and daily bread that I'm to pray for and daily provision and a relationship with you. I'm doing everything I know how to do and I'm trusting you and I will not, will not, will not back down on my commitment. How many of you guys know that when you don't back down, God stands up? Well, that's a bumper sticker. That's a good one. That's a tattoo almost, right? The land of just enough is there to show us where we really are in our ability to trust God. God created a perfect environment of daily bread for a season to teach them that what they needed, uh, to, to teach them what they needed so they could possess more than enough without more than enough possessing them. Hmm. What else dies in the wilderness? Discontentment with God's provision, right? In Exodus 15, what are we going to drink? Exodus 16, what are we going to eat? Exodus 17, you're trying to kill us. <laughs> Numbers 14, 2, our children will be slaves because of you. I want you to know this. God gave them everything they needed for 40 consecutive years, and it still wasn't enough. Let me ask you, who has the problem? Is it God? 
Let me ask you, what's the problem? Is it Egypt? They haven't seen Egypt in 40 years. They haven't seen an Egyptian in 40 years. But they're still living with that mentality, you know? They failed the test of trust for 40 years. Now, let me show you this. This is what passing that same test that they failed for 40 years, eventually got into the promised land by faith. There's a promised land waiting for you by faith. But we're still in this wilderness figuring things out, some of us. This is what it looks like. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul from prison writes this. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Everybody say secret. The secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in not so much plenty. This is what he says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is, guys, this is what more than enough looks like. I have met people that have less net worth than the clothes on your back that live in the land of more than enough. Did you just hear crickets? I heard crickets. Did you hear that? <laughs> yes, they live in the mountains of Oaxaca. Am I right, Mark? In Boladero? Yes, they live in Haiti. Right? Am I, am I right, Aaron? More than enough? They, they live in places where the standard of living is so far beneath where we are. But how many of you guys know there's places where the standard of living is so much higher than where we are? You, you go to some of these oil-rich states and so forth, the, the police car is a uh, Ferrari. Uh, they're Lamborghini police cars. You know why? Because there's a lot of Lamborghinis and Dodges don't catch them. <laughs> so being a police officer in Dubai in your, your Lamborghini, it's not a bad way to be a cop. That's all I'm saying. You know, I was in a Jeep. They're in a Lamborghini. I'm not hating. I'm just saying, right? So to be in a place where this doesn't own me, this doesn't control me, this doesn't even bless me because God is my blesser, God is my controller, and God is my identity. Do you see the promised land? Do you see where if you lost it all, you wouldn't lose a thing? Do you see if all of a sudden you were given it all, it wouldn't change you a bit? That's the place. That's the promised land. The promised land is not I have more. The promised land is I have Jesus, and Jesus is more than enough whether I have a bunch or a little. I know he's taking care of my needs. I trust him. I don't live in fear. I don't live in want. I don't live in covetousness. I don't, I don't fear loss because Jesus is my portion. Now, it is a, an unusually quiet morning at the Freedom Center. It's probably why I'm joking around a little bit because I'm not sure if you're in a coma or if you're, you're stunned. Either this is really good or I get more good notes sent to me this week. I'm so mad at you. I'm okay with that. Remember, my name is Jeff Waltz at gmail.com. So... I got good news and I got bad news. Which one do you want? Good news. Here we go. All right. Good news is this. Here's the good news. All right. God's going to help you to see where you're in your process in this. How many of you guys are grateful God's a good teacher? You know, he doesn't say, do this. I don't know how. Well, that's on you. <laughs> you know? Do this. I don't know how. Well, let me show you step one. Trust me. And there really is no step two, right? How many of you guys want the other news? Here's the bad news. Good news, God's going to tell us where we are. The bad news is that I pressed the button too fast. The bad news is it's going to most often come in the form of a test to your faith in him. Right? Come on. Are you guys okay? Like, I don't, I don't know how to say this. Like, like trust me, but trusting me doesn't help. Trust God. Trust, trust this. It, if you just say, God, I'm all yours, flat tire, big Jesus. Blown engine, big Jesus. Um, stole my phone, life's better. But big, big Jesus. You know, someone crossed my Facebook account, hallelujah, I'm delivered. You told me to go on a missions trip and I don't have the money, big Jesus. I got so much, I'm concerned it's taking over my life. I find myself hoarding instead of helping, big Jesus, get you out of that, right? Another bumper sticker, big Jesus, right? 
So um, what's really happening here is, is this. What's really happening here is about how much you trust God on a day-to-day basis, a day-to-day level to take care, really good care of you. So here's my altar call. You ready? Okay. And, and Rob, come join me. I think we gave you the wrong cue, but Rob, come join me if you would. If God is your provider, there is no such thing as not enough. And God, relational, not principal, person, is your provider. There's no such thing as not enough. Isn't it better with him? So just for $20 a month, you deny I'm just kidding. <laughs> In the arms of the angel. If God is not your provider, there's no such thing as enough. Utter discontentment for the rest of your life. You're going to have temptations and opportunities to go back to mammon. He will always take you back. Like AT&T, he will call you endlessly to get you to come back. So the question is this. Will you trust God for the financial needs of your life? The emotional needs of your life. The spiritual needs of your life. But you have faith in his love, faith in his provision. We'd be content in him, even if it looks like all you could be left with in the end could be just him. If you do, you say, yeah, here's the good news. Um, he's up to the challenge. He's extraordinarily fond of you. Like a father teaches a son how to handle money, God, your God, will teach you how to handle money. In the end of this, we can all not take it with us, look back at a pile that our kids fight over and make our lawyers rich. At the end of this, we can look back and say whether there's a pile left to fight over or not, I was faithful. God was my provider. God was good to me. Every dollar, every donut, everything that came my way was just another proof of of who he is in my life. Um, When $2,601 came to pay the $2,600 bill, how many of you guys know that, that God didn't just give them what they wanted, what they needed? God gave them more than enough. Isn't that fun? Hey, it's a dollar more. Hey, man, it's a dollar. How many know if it was like $2,000 more, they would have never associated the need with a provision? I love that. It was like 58 cents more than the bill. Keep the change. Get a Slurpee. Enjoy it. And I love that Mark and Chris, as they did, you know, in that they, this doesn't belong to us. This can't be a coincidence. It has a one in 2,601 to, you know, to one chance that this is a coincidence. I, it's the fingerprints of God. We know the guy. We pray, oh, God, provide for their needs. Okay, here's the money. Oh, God, they still need that check. <laughs> Instead, they said, you know, this doesn't belong to us. Next week, you're going to hear more about their story. We're going to actually play a little video in just a moment, not right now, about their story next week but this is this we have to land the plane today because i'm 54 seconds over time and i've been ending right on time never um trying though so so get this quickly okay the decision we made to say i see debt as an issue i see avarice i see mammon as a problem and it's like you're right i need to change that between that decision and more than enough there's a journey now, for some, the journey is 40 years, Israel. But God didn't design it to be 40 years. He, did, he made it to be less than 40 days. The reason it took so long is they had to take the same test over and over and over and over. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Not, not you, but probably the person next to you. Get out the Pentecostal pitchfork. I'm glad that brother needed to hear that, man. Just... 
If you're not living by faith, what are you living by? If you don't trust him, who are you trusting? Christmas is coming up. Who's your daddy? Who loves your kids more than you? I had a great one the other day. Somebody said, you know what? I'm having a quarter like none other. The check's going to be huge just before Christmas, and I have a choice to make. And because of your stupid sermon, the decision I have to make now is, do I have the Christmas of my life with my family on vacation in Cancun, or do I just go to, like, Cancun Mexican restaurant in Fenton? But by doing so, I'll pay off my last credit card debt, my last car payment, and begin to really pound on my mortgage until we're debt-free. I don't know what to do. I'm like... I think you do. I think, I think you do. Or you, we wouldn't be talking and you wouldn't be mad at me. The reason you're mad at me is because you can't yell at God and get away with it. That's why you're mad at me. <laughs> Maybe this Christmas is light and it's filled with refried beans from a can rather than refried beans from the bean field. But what's going to happen next Christmas? And the next Christmas? And the next Christmas? If you'll do this Christmas God's way, what can God do after you've done that? we got to get to the land of more than enough because we weren't intended to be takers or survivors. We're intended to be livers and thrivers. We are God's, hear me, we are God's hand of generosity to the poor on the planet. We are God's hand of generosity to our neighbors that don't know Jesus. We are God's hand of provision for so many good things that start with a broken heart and end with provision through the body of Christ to feed kids in Haiti, to build orphanages, to, to fund ministry, to, to create families for orphans, literal, not, not figurative, to create literally families for children that don't have a mom and don't have a dad that are wards of the state that need a house. It takes money for counseling. It takes money for, you know, social work. It takes money for home reviews. It takes money for, you know, respite care because it's hard. It, it just, what I'm saying is this. God's got a hurting world. God's got a thriving church. Figure out what he's doing. But if God has a hurting world and God has a church in slavery to debt, figure out what won't get done. I'm not talking to us. I'm talking to you. I looked over here specifically because I can't see anybody in this section. I'm talking to you. I don't see who you are, but I'm talking to you. And, and you. I'm talking to all of us. Close your eyes. Let's see what happens. So God, right here, right now, one way or the other, either we make a decision that stands, we have an, an emotion that fades, we stand on a rock that wind and waves can't move. Whether we build our house on you, we build our house on credit cards, is up to us. You're a God who delivers us from evil and leads us not into temptation, but there's a free will that every person in this room has to, must individually exercise. Where there's division in marriages on this, I pray for your word to settle every dispute. Where there's a, a wandering or a wavering in our hearts, God, let us hear now. Do more than just say, I'll think about it. Covenants are, are not to be broken. Um, words are not to be used cheaply. Guys, we're here right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed, questions to ask ourselves. What should we do? Who's your daddy, church? Who's your provider? Who's leading you? Who's blessing you? Who's rescuing you? It's not hard to see. If you trust one, it leads to death. If you trust the other one, it leads to an adventurous life. As for you and your house, what will it be?
Jesus, I pray, give us the right words. If you're here right now and you're not right with God on other levels, not just money stuff, but just, you know, like in your heart, you're distant from him. That distance was not placed there by God who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If there's distance between where you are and where he is, you are the one that has to turn. You are the one that has to return. That make sense? We're not waiting for God to show up and meet, meet you somewhere. We're waiting to turn and come to where he is, unmoving, fabulously patient, gloriously loving. Will you come to him today with all of your needs? If so, just tell him right now, yes, I will. All my needs. I need forgiveness. I need a clean slate. I need a fresh start. I need mercy for what I did this morning, for goodness sake. I, I need mercy for loving football yesterday more than I loved you this morning. I need, I need mercy today for just me. I, I just need a brand new, fresh, all done, over again, born once more, start. And God, I come to you and ask you for that. Merciful God, extend your mercy to me, a sinner. Believe in me as I now believe in you. And let's do this thing together. I trust you. You're my God. I'm your boy. I'm your girl. We are going to do this well. By your grace, with your help, by your strength, we're going to do this well. Let's show the world, Father. Let's show the world who you are today. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remain seated. How many of you want to see what's happening next week? Do you? That's the best response all day. So let's go for that. Let's go for that. Go ahead and put, let's play that. This is what's coming up next week. Kind of a, a taster. You know, I had a friend who said to me one time, you know, I'm happy just the way I am. I'm content. I have everything that I need. I don't need anything more. And you know, honestly, I thought that was a little selfish. The reason being, I feel like we are to have more than enough so that we can be generous to all men who ask. And you know what? We can live within you know, what we have and, and be blessed and grateful, and we should. But God wants us, I believe, to have an abundance so that we can be generous to all men who ask. And so that's where I came from, just this knowing that God's word is faithful. It's true. He's not a man that he should lie. He's a good, good father who wants to give us the provision so that we're taken from the land of just enough to more than enough so that we can be generous. Not for ourselves, but to be generous and to leave that legacy that all men might praise and give thanksgiving to him. Seeing a need and meeting the need without question, without saying, well, I don't know, can we afford this? It's not, it's not a logical decision. It's a spiritual decision at that point. And that was the shift for me that really released me from the CFO mindset that I grew up with, where it was very financial. It was, it was balance sheet and income statement, and it was very logical. Well, I only have this much, therefore I can only give this much. But when we step into the heart realm and we start to look at things in, through God's eyes, through the eyes of the Lord, and we say, you know, the Lord has put this in my path for a reason, and I feel like I need to meet this need. When we started to do that, that's when the shift really took place. I love them. All right. Stand your feet, Freedom Center. You glad you came today? All right. You got your homework. Uh, don't leave. Altar workers are coming forward. They're people that have the ministry of prayer, compassion, understanding, testimonies. If you need prayer for anything, they'll be waiting for you to pray up here. If you haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'd love to meet you in that back room. 
Live long and prosper. God bless you all, Spockites. We'll see you soon. And go do this. You guys ready? Go get them. Have some fun.